living a Christ-centered life in an antichrist world. And let me say this. The reason God has given me this word to minister uh, today is to remind some and educate others that as a Christian, your major goal in life should be to bring God glory. Amen. Our major goal, we may have a lot of different goals, and we should, and visions in life, but our, the major goal, our major purpose for being birthed in the earth, I don't care if you're born out of wedlock, I don't care if you, um, you know, adopted or, you know, you, you hear, I hear stories, somebody, somebody was giving a testimony, I forgot who gave this, but said somebody found them in the trash can. You know, found them in the trash can. This lady said, I just went and, and God led me to the trash can and the baby was laying right there. Somebody this lady was uh, ministering to. But guess what? If God allowed you to come in this earth and be birthed, no matter how you came, his objective is for you to give him glory. And isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? And we talked about this on Friday, how when Jesus rose from the dead, the first person he showed himself to was uh, Mary Magdalene, the woman he cast what, eight demons out of. Isn't it amazing that God don't hold what we've been through or how we got through or just our past against us? So like I said, don't stop making excuses. God is no respecter of person. He can use you just like he can use me. He's no respecter of person. So again, it's to bring God glory. And our, and our life should bring out God. And, a, and as we strive to live out a Christ-centered life, as I said, Christ-centered, not self-centered, Christ-centered, Christ-centered. You and I are living in a world that is against Christ. Therefore, that's antichrist. It's against Christ. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through 16 reads. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through 16 reads. It says, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Paul was talking to the Philippian church. He said, not just in my presence only, but also in your absence. This is what God wants us to do. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. Y'all hear that? He wants us to work out our own soul salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who is at work in you, both to desire and, and to work for his good pleasure. So, you know, I want to highlight this because as I was reading this, this day and time, you know, some of us are very keen on working out, being fit, keeping ourselves together, right? Want to keep it together, especially as you age, you should be keeping it together. <laughs> Amen. You should keep it together. And, and I was talking to my daughter. I said, you know, individuals that say, you know, I only live once, so I'm going to eat this. You may only live once, but you may not die soon, as quick as you think you are, and, and how you eat is going to affect the rest of your life. So you may live long, but you're miserable in that living because you don't watch what you eat, you don't exercise, you don't do anything to take care of this body. So, so you need to check that, right? But those who are conscious of how they treat their temple, it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So I want to highlight today that this is a daily workout. I want you to write that down. I want you to put it on your phone note. This, your walk, your walk requires a daily workout. A daily workout, just like your natural body. At, to live a Christ-centered life, it requires a daily workout uh, in your salvation walk. Not only a daily workout, but with fear and trembling. Okay, I want y'all to repeat that. Your walk, my walk, requires a daily workout of my salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, a daily workout, right? Not monthly, not when I feel like it. But it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, with reverence and respect. Reverence and respect. Your own. Let's highlight that own. Work out your what? Own. As I stated earlier, we can't blame this on anybody else. 
I've had wives over the years at City Church, their husbands stopped coming to church or they, the husbands stopped doing what they need to do and maybe it could have been the wife. But guess what? They were like, well, I'm not going to do it anyway. I'm not going to do it either. He's not going to do what he needs to do and I'm going to stop doing what I need to do. But this is your own walk. Work out your own, what? Salvation. With, this is personal. When you stand before God, guess what? You're not going to be holding hand with, with hands with your husband. You're not going to be holding hands with your husband or your wife. This is your individual walk. Now, God wants us to be there for each other and provoke each other good works daily, right? And the Bible says encourage one another daily. But this is your own workout. So when you go and work out on your physical body, who's there? Can your husband work out for you? I want you to work out for me, baby, so I can get this, this weight off me. I want you to work out. Is, does it work like that in the natural no, does it work? So first the natural, then the spiritual. So if God wants us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, it's, you see how it's an individual wall? You can't do it in the natural, right? Your husband can't work out for you. Your wife can't work out for you. So it is in the spiritual. So, so did y'all write that down? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God at work in you, both to desire, excuse me, and work for his good pleasure. Because it is a God, it's God at work in you, both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. God is doing this in you. God is doing this in you. When we look at living a Christ-centered life, this is what it boils down to. God is doing this in you, but you got to have the mind to work out. You can sit on your couch and say, Lord, take this weight out of me all day long. Lord, help me change my diet. Lord, help me change my diet. And you keep buying the same stuff, putting the refrigerator in your cabinets, right? And, and you're not moving off the couch. You're saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Is that, is that practical? So it is in the spiritual. You can't say, God, help me. You have no effort. It's the same in the spirit realm. It's the same. Even when you come to church, you cannot even come to church and just sit there and say, okay, let me see what pastor's going to say today. Let me see how the word on the scale of 1 to 10 going to go today. How's, how is it going to go? You can't sit there and even judge the word that way. If I'm coming from the Bible, I may be terrible at delivering, but if it's in the Bible, it's the Bible. Are you, are you hearing me? So you're judging and you're measuring the degree of how good you feel it, you think it is, but you didn't come in here, enter my gates with thanksgiving and my courts with praise. Be grateful to him and bless his name. So you came in with the wrong spirit, so you expect to get something out of it? Dog, I got to go to church again. I mean, so why are you here if your motives are not right? If you heard my daughter's story, she goes to church in spite of not hearing the word like she feels it should go. Why? Because she was taught in the word. You, you understand? So she knows what sound doctrine looks like. But they're not off in the doctrine, but it's just a fluff. You, you get what I'm saying? And so, but I'm still going to church because I, that's my, what I desire. I'm working out my soul salvation. I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. So when you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling, mom and dad don't have to be there for you to go to church. Right? Because I fear God and, and I want to please God and, I, and when I work out my physical body, it's on my own. How much more my spiritual? So, let me help husbands and wives, okay? Children, if your parents or if your, your wife, your husband is not where they need to be in their walk, guess what? You got to seek God for yourself. You got to be where God has called you to be for yourself. You can't blame your husband because when you stand before God, that's not going to cut it. I, I, don't, I, I hope I'm not appearing hard. I just want to educate you. Sometimes we need to slow this thing down because I want you to think. I want you to think because sometimes we look at Christians and they just seem, I mean, some of them just seem cuckoo, right? I mean, it's all in the spiritual realm. It's all uh, uh, in the air and all the things they see. But when you break it down to the word, what does the word say? And God show us visions and dreams, but let's get down and let's exegete the scriptures. What does the word say? Because you're accountable to this word. So verse 13 says, for it is God who works at, God who is at work in you, both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. And it's for God's good pleasure. Do all things without complaining or arguments. Whoa. Is this somebody I daily walk, y'all? 
Do all things without complaining or arguing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach. Okay? So we're talking about working out our physical body. And again, our subject today is living a Christ-centered life in an antichrist world. So we're talking about working out, working out our salvation, being fear, reverence, and trembling. Because Christ is at work in us to do it, will and do his good pleasure. And then it says, do all things without complaining or arguing. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you see in there, it didn't just say inside the church. <laughs> Fussing all day. Didn't my husband say that last Sunday? We, yeah. um, <laughs> um, but he said, do everything without complaining and arguing. Are you always just argumentative? Are you always combative? Are you always complaining about something as a Christian? How was your disposition? I had to tell somebody very close to me. I said, you just love to argue. You just love the friction. <laughs> and it wasn't my husband, Cashman. <laughs> it was not my husband. But I was like, you just love friction. You love to be in opposition. You love to just get going. Why? As a Christian, are y'all seeing the scripture? It said, do all things without complaining or arguing. We're talking about living a Christ-centered life. Do y'all think this is showing you how to live a Christ-centered life? Complaining and arguing, right? Because let me say this. We're talking about from the book, Emotionally Healthy Spiritual Alibis, Peter Scazzero. If you are a Christian and you're always fussing, mother, you're wearing that hat right there. I'm like, who is that lady right there? I love that mother. I love that. Um, um. We're, we're, we're coming from the book Emotional Health and Spirituality. And let me say this. If you've been saved for some time, it doesn't even matter how long you've been saved. But if you're struggling with complaining, murmuring, just always this, this, this opposing everybody pretty much. You always got to be right. You know, you won't take down. You make excuses. That may be something mentally wrong. There may be something chemical, chemically imbalanced. And I'm not making excuses for your flesh. I'm saying you need to get help. Maybe you need to go to a licensed therapist, which I am. But I'm not saying come to me. I'm saying there's others out there I can recommend. Amen. Or a psychiatrist. You may have, you may have a chemical imbalance. They may have organic means to get you medication. We take medication for our shoulder, our foot, our stomach that hurts. How about for our brain? We shunned that in the church, but some people really, something is wrong when you're always argumentative, you're fussing, you're condescending. Something is wrong when people that get close to you, they, they don't like you. Or you can't be corrected. Something is wrong. Without complaining or arguing, so that you will prove yourselves, listen to this, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Wow. So that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. So, Lord, help me not to complain. Help me not to argue. Help me not to be condescending. Help me not to be, try to be always right. No, I'm saying this, but I'd be like, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> really? <laughs> For real. So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. So he said what? You prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Listen to this. Children of God above reproach. Children of God above what? Reproach. And we, when we say reproach, it means uh, people who will not be blamed and accused of everything. People who will not be blamed and accused of everything. When you look at the climate of Christians today, what do you all see? How do people look at Christians in the church? How do people see Christians in the church? I mean, it's almost a shame. You know, it's like, almost like, okay. Because of how so many Christians carry themselves. Because of how so many Christians act. You know what I'm saying? We're not better than the sinner. We're better off. We're Christians. And, and my thing is, God saved you so you can go out and share this gospel. He saved you so you can go out and be a witness to the world. He said that you may prove yourself blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach, in the midst, listen to this, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. In the midst, antichrist, yes. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Isn't that something? God, God knows where we are. We're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Do y'all agree with that? 
So the Bible is saying we're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. So why are you shocked how that coworker treats you? Why, why are you surprised how people treat you, your neighbor treats you, some of your family members treat you? Now, they're not treating you because you're complaining and arguing all the time and acting self-righteous. So let's just fix, let's, let's say, let's check ourselves. So do they dislike me because I'm arguing with men and complaining and self-righteous? So they're not, they're not, they're not against you because of that. But that because you're living without reproach, and it says, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. I'm saying living a Christ-centered life. You appear as lights in the world. When you show up, it, it, it causes the darkness to be that much more evident. When, when light walks in the midst of darkness, it causes the darkness to be that much evident. And how about even this day in our churches? It's like when you show up and you got a standard, if it's a lukewarm, self-righteous uh, uh, a church that's kind of, I'm just doing it, winging at the hip, and, and a lot of eye service and man-pleasing churches, when you show up and you have a standard around even certain people, they're Christian, they, they say they accepted Christ, but when you show up and you have a standard, I'm not sleeping around with everybody. I'm not, I'm not out here drinking and partying. I'm not doing this. Christians look at you sideways today. People that say they know God look at you sideways because you're striving to live the word. Amen? Look, I, I think about some of our students. My daughter in college, some of you students in high school, in middle school, when you have a heart for God, thank God for your life because I want to encourage you young people today. People are looking at you and they, you are being an example. Amen? You are being a light. The Bible says we're among whom you appear as light in the world. You are making a difference. I want to tell you that. You are making a difference. Because you're in the midst of a crooked, are y'all hearing it? Crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as light. Listen to this, holding firmly the word of life so that on the day of Christ, you're holding firmly the word of life. You got to hold to the word of God. You got to hold to the word. Not your opinion, not what you think, not, not what you feel, but holding to the word of life. The word of God, this is our roadmap. This is our roadmap. I brought my big study Bible. Soul care Bible. This is our roadmap. The Bible says, hold to the word of life. Whatever questions you have, whatever challenges you have, it can be found in the word of God. But it says, we hold to this word of life so that, listen to this, my God, so that on the day of Christ, I can take pride Hold firm to the word of God against a crooked and perverse generation. Hold firm to the word of God so that on the day of Christ I can take pride because, listen to this, on the day of Christ I can take pride. What is on the day of Christ? When his return. When Christ returns. On the day of Christ when he returns. You can take pride. Now this is a moment you can take pride, right? On the day of Christ I can take pride because of what? I did not run in vain nor labor in vain. Wow. That on the day of Christ, I can have pride because I have not run in vain, nor have I labored in vain. Are you running in vain? Have you labored in vain? I feel the Holy Spirit right here. Have you run in vain? Are you labor in vain? Why do you do what you do for Christ? Why do you do what you do? Why do you come to church? Where, where's your connection in the church? Where, where, where's God calling you to serve? Well, how is he using you for such a time as this? In the midst of this perverse and crooked generation among whom you are lights. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels. I was having a conversation with one of my sons and, and, and just some of the challenges and it's just, it's somehow God sometimes put us in a situation where you can't even explain how things are, you understand where things are, where they are, but you can't understand it, but you just know it's a God thing. And it's like, you can't even like move. Like he just got you in this place where you have to trust him. He just got you in this place where it's like, it's a trial of your faith. He just got you in this place where it's like, you just, you're light. 
in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation where you shine as light. And I said, son, God is using you to be a light because this is a trial of your faith. Does anybody feel today like this is a trial of your faith? Not only with sinners, because one thing about somebody who just showed up to just sin, they just sinners. I know I'm a sinner. I, I, I ain't serving God. They respect, majority of them, they respect uh, your walk. Like, you're going to do that? Okay, okay. They'll say, I respect you. But the person who is a scribe and a Pharisee and a Sadducee <laughs> that was in the temple with Jesus when he went to teach the word and, and they looked the part, my God, Holy Ghost. They looked the part, they act the part. They went up there and, and read the scripture and all that. But when Jesus showed up on the scene, I've been studying in Luke, when Jesus showed up on the scene, they didn't, they didn't like Jesus. They didn't like Jesus. And guess what I've come to the conclusion today? If Jesus lived today, a lot of us would not like Jesus. <laughs> we would not like Jesus. These people did not like Jesus. Why? Because when he showed up and he read the scripture and, and, and when he walked out, something happened. His walk was just not inside the church on Sundays. And, and, and Pastor Hall, it's an elder hall called you Pastor. Let me tell you this. Um, um, when, you, when you said, we, we don't have time to play as you as worship, I was like, I said, he, he know he don't be playing. He's he very serious about his walk, right? But we say that. Like, and, I, and I feel the same way. It's like, I don't have time to just go through the motions. I literally was telling my husband, and I, and I was saying to God, I was like, Lord, I said, some people that come to church, we're so full. It's like, God, what can I say different that's going to impact them? I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, she's a, uh, I'm like, what can I say? But I know there's somebody in this crooked and perverse position that I can pour into. So sometimes you can get weary if you're singing to the same people and they don't even want to stand up. They don't want to get up. I, they don't want to engage. It's like they're just looking at you. And sometimes you preach like, like, are they hearing the word? Lord, so many people are lost, God. Lead me to those lost. So I'm be honest. That was my reluctance to even share today. It's not an arrogance. It's like, God, who is hearing your word? Who is not only hearing the word, but doing the word? Who is listening? And we heard the announcement today. We, have, we hear the festival for the young people. We have a speaker on next Sunday. You know, um, are we going to invite anybody? Because let me help you. The word is going forth at City Church. Amen? The word of God is going forth at City Church. It's not about the crowd. It's not about how many people pack in the house. It's about God's word and standard going forth in this house. And see, you all, if you're not a spiritual discerner, you don't even get it. You don't even get it. When God sends you, send you through a trial because of your humanness and your flesh. See, I'm going ahead of my word, but that's okay. Um, um, you don't even get it. When God deals with you and you repent before God, he causes you to go forward even more powerfully. See, the person that God has to deal with is a person that tries to justify their mess and not want to change. Let me help you. Let me help you. Let me educate you. Because God does not like self-righteousness. Like I said, Christ-centered life. Living a Christ-centered life, not self-centered. And sometimes as we grow in our walk, we deviate. We begin to look at ourselves. I've been in the church this long. I've been doing this in the church. I've been doing that in the church. I've been doing all these things. I was reading the scripture the other day. I forgot where... It was, but I was, and I sent it to a, a, somebody I love, <laughs> but it was saying how the person went to the temple and they were saying, Lord, I feed the poor. I fast uh, two days a week. I do this. I do that. You know, I'm a great person, Lord. You need to do this for me. And they said another person was praying and said they could barely lift their head to God and said, God, have mercy on me. My God. I don't know about you, but I say, God, have mercy on me often. Because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be up here. I would not be saved. It's because of his grace. It's because of his mercy. Hallelujah. And I want to share with this crooked and perverse world about his grace and mercy. I don't want to implode. I don't want to get self-righteous and feel like I've arrived. And I don't want to get comfortable. So let me help you. So my thing is, if you're hearing this word 
uh, are you going to share with somebody this week? You can go on Facebook and share, you know? Because I didn't download my notes to the app. Honestly, the app didn't cross my mind. Praise you, Lord. Help me. Um, but, you know, are you going to share this? Because people are struggling. And they wonder why people this day is getting more wicked and wicked. And again, not just with these, uh, uh, the blatant sinner, but the scribe, the Pharisee, <laughs> and the Sadducee. The religious people that go to church. They are the ones that's kind of rubbing you a little wrong because they're like, uh, uh, done been there, done that. It don't take all that, you know. God letting us go through this pandemic. Why we got to be here? Da, da, da. And not even seeing the spiritual side. God's allowing this because he wants his people to be prepared. The Bible says, he that have an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the church. Are you hearing? Are you discerning of what the spirit is saying to the church? God allows these birth pains. God allows these moments so we can get ourselves together. It's not to scare us, but yeah, it is. Because he want to get you right. It is to get you right. It's to get you where you want to be, where he wants you to be. In your walk. Mm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's give God some praise. Let's give God some praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As the word says in verse 16, and, and we're still in Philippians 2, verse 16, it says, chapter 2, verse 15, holding firm to the word of life so that on, on the day of Christ I can take pride because I did not run in vain, nor did I labor in vain. Holding firm to the word of God that I have not run in vain or labor in vain. Again, where are you in your walk? Why do you do what you do? Why? Because let me say this. If you're not obedient to the assignment God has given you, you're disobedient. Partial righteousness is not, partial obedience is not obedience. Partial obedience, you can try to please men all you want to. You can have this list of, of, of things you've done. But if you're not obeying God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because he wants you to totally obey his word. He wants you to totally obey his word. Amen. Galatians 2 and 20 reads, we have been crucified, we have been crucified with Christ. So when we say crucified, what do we mean? The next part set gives that meaning. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. When you've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And the life which I now live in the flesh, right? He acknowledged we're in the flesh. In our humanness, the life that I now live in my flesh, in my humanness, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the life that I now live in the flesh, in my humanness, in my flesh, he acknowledges we're in our flesh. So we're going to have struggles, have to put it down, Lord, help me fast, pray, get this under, this struggle under, this temptation under. He said the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. <clears throat> I live by faith. And again, when you're crucified with Christ, it's no longer you who live. Those who question, like, what does it mean to be crucified? I got down on the cross? No. But it means you know, it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. How is Christ, how is, when you look at your life, how does Christ show up in your life? How does Christ show up in your life? Is, is he the center of your life? Or is he just church on Sunday morning? And that's a big part of it. I mean, you want to come to church. The Bible says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves as the, manner, as the manner of some is. But so much the more as we see that day approaching. So as we see the day of Christ, and he's given us birth pains to see, he's soon to turn, right? So as we see his, this day approaching, he don't want you to forsake the assembly of yourselves. And we have plenty of room for people to come here. Those of you who are watching online, if you can't go to your church, we have plenty of seats here at City Church. Those of you who attend City Church, your members, we have plenty of places you can sit without being touched or breathed on or whatever, you know? Amen. We have plenty of space. We have plenty of space. So, but it says, it's no longer I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. This is a faith walk. It's a faith walk. Why did I do what I do? Because of my faith in Jesus Christ. Because of my commitment to God in Jesus Christ. In fact, my, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God loved us so much. We hear this often. So it's like almost numb. 
God loved us so much that he died for us. He gave himself up for us. He gave himself up for us to give us eternal life. And it is by faith. So those who want to argue with you and debate with you about what's right and why do you serve Christ and there's so many other gods to serve. There's so many other ways to God. The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father but by him. So let me help you out, students, college students, elementary, whatever, adults. Let me tell you this. We do this by faith. In our faith, in our faith Christian faith, we believe the word of God. Is, is, is God's word, our roadmap to heaven? We believe by faith. So when somebody try to question your walk, of course you have your personal testimony. I don't know about you, but I got a lot of testimonies and stories I can tell about the awesomeness of God. But we live this by faith. I believe the word of God, so I'm going to live it. But guess what? Some people, when you're in your darkest moment and you're going through your toughest time, that person that show up and give you a word, it could be off. It could be a cult. Satanism, you'll cling to that. But the difference is, the difference is, at the end of the day, the Bible says, I'm, I'm getting to the end of my message. The Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he's Lord. The difference is, do you want to make sure that that's right? The difference is, the Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the, and the light. Do you want to make sure? Do you want to wobble back and forth to see if that's right? The difference is Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus sought you. In, in, in every other religion, you got to do all these exercises. You got to do all these prayers and all this. Now, God wants us to pray, but it's not a ritual of prayer. He wants you to pray because you want to love him and talk to him. Not because, oh, if you don't do your five daily prayers or whatever, you're, you're out of, you're not, you're lost. No, no, no. The difference is... He don't twist your arm to do stuff, all these, um, um, just, just to be doing it. He wants you to serve him out of faith and love. That's the difference. God calls us out of faith and love. So that's why we got to be there for people. In their lowest low, y'all hear me, you got to be there for people. Because you may not have people in your family or people that you know. If you don't go there and share your faith with them and encourage them and give them a word, somebody else is going to do it. And when God laid people on your heart to go encourage, move. Send a text, call, however you want to do it, but move. Move. Call that person. Talk to that person because guess what? If they get caught up in a cult and an off religion, you're going to have something to say. But then you got to say, was I there for them? Did I encourage them? Did I speak into their lives? Because people are very, uh, people are discouraged today. People are becoming hopeless but we got to build them up and encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. And those who are not in Christ, are you, how, how often are you sharing your faith with someone? As I'm closing, uh, St. John chapter 17, verse 13 reads. In this, in this Bible scripture, and I probably will not read it out. St. John 17, verse 13. Christ is talking to the Father regarding the things he has given us. And what we need in order to be kept in this antichrist world. All right. Christ in this text, St. John 17 verse 13. He's talking to the father regarding what he has given us. And what we need in order to be kept in this antichrist world. Are y'all getting anything out of this? All right. So I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to give you these six points that the Holy Spirit highlighted for me. He said, but now I am calling, coming to you. And these things I speak in the world so that you may have my joy made, made full uh, in themselves. He's talking to the Father. He said, now I'm coming to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have, we, Christians, may have his joy full. Okay? Full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Are y'all hearing this? You're not of the world, just as he's not of the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them away from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. Just as you sent me into the world, y'all hearing that? I also sent them into the world, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they themselves also may be sanctified. 
I am not asking on behalf of these alone. Listen to this. So Jesus is at, what is saying, keep them right in the world. Keep them. And Jesus said, Father, I'm not asking them alone. He's talking to the Father on our behalf about keeping us in this world. So you have Jesus praying that you would be kept in this world. I'm not asking on behalf of these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Wow. Jesus said, I'm not just asking for you to keep those alone in the world, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So God wants us, we got to share this word, y'all. I know you feel discouraged, because I do too at times. I know you feel like, God, we're the laughing stock of many times of people because of some of the flakiness of people in the church. But God's word is true, amen? You're true, right? You have a heart to please God. His word is true. So he said, I'm not just praying for you to keep those, my people in the world that's currently committed to me, but those who are going to come by the word they share. Verse 21, that they may all be one just as you. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may it be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. He said that they may be one. He says, verse 22, the glory which you have given me, I also have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. In verse 23, I in them and, and, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. So that the world may know that you sent me and you love me just as you loved. You love them just as you love me. To sum this up, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm praying that you keep them, Father, in the world. Then he said, I'm praying that you give them their, your word so they can share this gospel with someone else. And then he said, God, I want them to be one. I want them to be unified. Then he said, God, he said, the glory which I have, I'm giving you them my glory. <laughs> I give them my glory. And he said, I want them to be per perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and I, and I am in them and you're in me. And I know that was a lot, but go home and read. I hope you wrote it down. St. John 17, verse 13 through 23. But these are the six points out of this text that, we, that, I, that I got. Number one, God prays for our joy. He's praying to the Father we have joy. Even in this world. Number two, he's praying that we stand on his word. Number three, God, keep them, us from the wicked one. Keep them from the wicked one that's in the world. Number four, number four, sanctify them. Set them apart. Clean them up by your word. God says sanctify them. Set them apart. Clean them up for your word. Number five, unity, oneness. He stressed that they may be one, that they may be one. God wants us unified. God want us together. God want us in agreement. He said, then the world will know that you sent me, that I'm in you and they're in, that they're in me because they're unified. And number six, that they, that I will give them the glory. The glory which I have, I give to them. And, and glory, he means his honor, praise, and dignity. God give us his glory. This is what Jesus is praying for us as we strive to live a Christ-centered life in this Antichrist day. He said, Lord, give them your joy. Give them your word. Keep them from the evil one. Lord, let them be unified. Lord, let them be sanctified. And Lord, that I, they will receive the glory that I have. I give it to them. I give it to them. As I'm closing, I want you all to know today that you're not, we're not alone in this fight. Christ is praying for us. Christ is praying for us. But I want you to be challenged. Amen? Amen. But I want you to be challenged. I got to win somebody. When we close at our uh, women's fellowship on Friday, I said, I pray that when everyone that's on this call, that you will go out and God will use you to share your faith, share a, a word of encouragement with somebody, right? And today, I pray that you would leave out of here and share this word with somebody. I pray that you would be encouraged not to take this and say, oh, that was a good word, eat your Sunday dinner, and that's it. No, 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 no. Who do I need to courage and build up? Even if it's yourself, go back through the scriptures and review the scriptures for yourself. My last scripture, and I'm closing. Uh, 1 John chapter 18. I want y'all to write this down because I want you to go back and review it. 1 John chapter 2, I'm sorry. 1 John chapter 2, and I'm going to start at verse 18. All right? 1 John chapter 2. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read verse 15 too. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It says, do not love the world. So Jesus was praying for us 
to be kept in the world. Then he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So this first verse, the first scriptures I just read, he was saying God keep them in the world and what he gave us, his joy, sanctification, unity, his glory. These six things I listed. But then he tells us not to love the world in 1 John chapter 2 and 15. Then verse 18 reads, little children, it is the last hour. As you're standing on your feet. Little children, it is the last hour. It is the last hour. Hallelujah. We're getting ready to close. I want you to stand. 1 John 2, verse 18. Verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The love of the Father is not in him. Do we still love the world? Do we still love the world? I mean, we have some very skilled people in the church. You're gifted. You're thorough. Um, yeah. Maybe we have even more gifted people that are not Christian, right? And sometimes you can look on the other side and you're like, oh, man, they got this, they got that going on. But David said, I encouraged myself. He said, because when I looked at the wicked, I got envious. <laughs> he said, but then I, the Lord reminded me of his goodness and his faithfulness. But where are we in our, in, in our walk with Christ? Where are we? He said, love not the world, neither things in the world. That don't mean you don't get house, car, love nice things. It's not saying that. But it's your heart towards God. It's your consecration towards God. And, and, and let me tell you this. Um, the Lord laid on my heart for our youth. And I thought it was just going to be for Inside City Church. And our youth can participate. But the Lord is like, this is going to be a movement. And anybody want to participate, just pray and, and make sure God wants you to be a part of this. But it's called, you have a voice for our young people. You have a voice. And the scripture God gave me was, out of the mouths of babes and suckling, God, God has ordained strength. How he uses young people. Because in this day and time, our young people need to realize they have a voice. And very few of them are surrounded by solid Christians that they can just talk to and look up to and have a standard. Like you poured into their lives. Right? So we need our kids to be able to talk and share in their hearts and what God is showing them because God uses kids. God uses young adults. God uses teenagers. They are anointed too. Amen. And parents, let me say this. Your kids are influenced by your walk. They are influenced by how you carry yourself. But it's amazing. Let me say this too. But it's amazing. God can skip over you and get to your child. If you don't want to do it, because one thing about it, a child at a very young age can hunger and thirst for God at a very young age. They want to come to church at a very young age. And so parents, allow your kids to go forth. And anybody who's interested in working with me on this, let me know. But it's called You Have a Voice. Just so our young people can be empowered and just go forth and be used of God as never before. So verse 18 in 1 John 2 and 18, it says, little children, it is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us. Listen to this, y'all. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Whoa. Whoa. And I feel like in this day, like, like in Jesus' day, the people that came against him most were the people inside the synagogue. When he was in the garden and he was being arrested, he said, you come with me with your swords and your shields, and I was with you daily in the temple. My God. Let, let's, let's look at the Bible. I was with you daily in the temple. Ask God to help you with your skepticism, your judging, you're critiquing because even in the midst of this hostile, these hostile churchgoers, Jesus still showed up and was in power. Even in the midst of these hostile churchgoers, Jesus showed up and was in power. In Luke, I think I was reading chapter six or seven, it was saying Jesus was in the temple 
teaching, synagogue. And he said a guy with, man was there with a withered hand. I'm saying antichrist. He had a withered hand. And the Pharisees was waiting. And the scribes was waiting to see if he was going to heal this man. What kind of craziness is that? A man come there jacked up. And you looking, is the pastor going to stop and pray? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Is he going to pray for them? Why you come to church if you don't want to see people heal and deliver and set free? It said they were waiting to see what Jesus was going to do. Are you showing up because you're gonna, you want to see what's going to happen to see the church? Are you here because God planted you here and you want to see it flourish? Are you just showing up because you're afraid? I mean, I just want to see, I just want to see what they're going to do. I just want to see what's your motive? What's your motive? I just, I just want to see. I just want to see. Oh, God got you seeing. And that's why he's plucking one after one. He's, he's moving some and he's putting other people in this body. He's shifting some. Because he's, he's like, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Your self-righteousness, your sarcasm, you're looking apart, but you're not being apart. You're not walking on. Enough is enough. You give the list of things. You've, I've done this for the church. I've done that for the church. I've done that. Okay, and... Keep growing. You should do it under God, not because of us. Because if you do it for us, you're going to lose your reward. Now you give a prophet a name, prophet, you're going to get your, you'll get a reward. But if it's for wrong motives, you're going to lose it with God. So they were waiting to see what Jesus was going to do. And he knew their heart and he, he just went to the man and said, rise up and said, stretch forth the hand and heal. And they said they were angry and seeing how they could destroy him. My God. Antichrist. Like I said, they weren't like Jesus today. Because he got, gave God glory in everything he did. He lifted his name in everything he did. He didn't walk in the sanctuary complaining about everything and what's not right, what's not here. Well, if you have the means, make it happen for the church. Don't complain. Make it happen. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measures, pressed down, shaken together, and run up. Make it happen. Don't complain. Do your part. Don't complain. So they said they were angry and saw how they could destroy him. My God. And I said, so it is the day. But guess what? Did it stop Jesus from going to the temple? <laughs> did it stop Jesus from going to church? See how they were going to treat him? No, it didn't. You got to finish your assignment. You got to do your assignment. Why are you here? What did God call you to do? And don't let nobody cause you to deviate. Sometimes we leave church. We go places. We do this because of, oh, they treated me this way. I felt this way. But why did God have you here? In this day at the city church, you got to know your assignment. You got to know your assignment. Husbands, you got to know your assignment. Wives, you got to know your assignment. Your husband can't carry you. Your wife can't carry you. Teenagers, you got to know your assignment while you're here. Because Antichrist are going out and we're in the last days. Verse 20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Mm. The Antichrist, it's the last day, so they're in the world, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things verse 21 I have not written to you because you do not know the truth but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth no lie is of the truth I have not written to you because you do not okay verse 22 who is a lie except the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ this is Antichrist anybody that denies Jesus Christ is against the word the one who denies the father and the son. Whoever denies the son does not have the father. The one who confesses the son has the father. So you all stop watering down your walk. If they don't go through Jesus Christ, they don't know. They don't know God. If it's not through Jesus, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. St. John 16 verse 13 and 14 reads, but how do we do this? How do we live Christ-centered lives in an Antichrist day? How do we live this out? By the power of the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit of God. God, the Holy Spirit, empowers you to live a Christ-centered life. St. John verse 16 and 13 reads, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Woo. He will glorify me for he will take from mine and will disclose to you. Acts 1 and 8. But you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Are you witnessing today? 
You will be my witnesses in both Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses. Hallelujah. I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to pray. Because it's by his spirit you're kept. It's by his spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but like I said, I, I prayed the other night. And I said, God, refill me again. Now when I say, God, refill me, I said, God, I rededicate my life to you. I recommit my life to you because, yeah, I become weary and well-doing. I become weary. I mean, I, 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 sometimes I look around me, and it's not the center. It's other Christians. I'm like, God, where is their commitment there? I mean, we're talking about emotionally healthy spirituality. God healed their minds because we're not healthy. We're, we're, we're not healthy. We're still blaming mom and dad and who didn't do what. The ex-wife, the ex-husband, Lord, healed them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this word that you've given me, oh God. For your people. About living a Christ-centered life in an antichrist world. Lord, you said it's the last time. It's the last time. But God, you showed us in your word that there's nothing new under the sun because Christ went through with people. Especially inside the church the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. But he, that did not detour him from his assignment. Lord, I thank you for the, the faithful members of City Church. I thank you for the e-members of City Church. I thank you, oh God, that they would be encouraged by this word today. I thank you, oh God, that those who really have a surrendered heart for you, oh God, that just, they are yielded to your will, God. I thank you, God, for strengthening them in the inward man, God. I pray, oh God, that this word, oh God, would go deep into our spirit. That we will be provoked to good works. Lord, that you have prayed to the Father. And you said, Lord, give them your joy, your word. Keep them from the evil one. Sanctify them. Unify them. Glorify them. Oh, God. Lord, we thank you for your word guiding us. Lord, thank you for causing us to walk obedient to your word. Not as our servants and man pleasers. But God, what have you called us to be? Let us be obedient, oh God. Lord, those who are struggling emotionally, Father, in their mind. In their mind. Lord, heal them. In their mind. They're still blaming the husband. The parents. The dad that wasn't there. The mom. The ex-wife. The ex-husband. The children. Lord, heal their minds. Heal God. There's nothing too hard for you. Heal God. Heal God. Heal right now, God. Heal. Heal God. Lord, I actually show us our own selves of God. You told us to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith, oh God. You told us to work at our own soul salvation with fear and trembling. Lord, let us work it out, God. Let us work it out, oh God. Because you, we're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, but you cause us to shine as lights. Lord, let us live lives without reproach, without blame and shame. Lord, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. You're faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, oh God. We just got to cry out to you, Father. Let us cry out to you, oh God, in the name of Jesus. And